In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear faithful, on Thursday I made a very long journey to, to North Dakota in three different flights. And on the final flight, um, the man sitting next to me asked what I would be preaching about on Sunday. And at the time I said, really, I don't know what I'm going to be preaching about, but I do have Friday and Saturday in order to prepare my sermon. And we proceeded to have a conversation um, really about philosophy and politics. And, and when we got to the end, he said, well, maybe you can use our conversation um, as a basis for your sermon. And it turns out that, that the gospel, today's gospel, kind of fits in with, with what we were discussing. And I want to um, try to explain that to you today and really expand upon it. Um, so this this man and I, who he, this man was, was not um, belonging to a particular religion. He said he believed in a higher power, but he doesn't belong to any particular religion, but, but we, were, we were both agreeing that this, this society today has seemed to, to lost its way. And he asked me what I thought the problem might be. Um, and, I, and I told him that I think effectively the, the root problem is that today in our secular democracies, we do not really um, legislate or uh, pay attention to there being a God over us all. We, we act as if we have the power to legislate in whatever we want without considering what God has done. Um, so we, we just take a vote on things and we say because uh, the majority has voted that this thing um, should take place in our society, therefore it's good and we should do it without first looking at reality and saying, well, what has God established? Let's, let's try to do or act according to the way God has made us. Instead, we just say, well, let's see what we want. Um, let's, let's take a vote. And whatever we want, we will do. Um, and you're like, well, wait a second. What if what we want is not really the best thing? And that's not even a consideration because we have this belief that whatever we want is good by the fact that we want it. Um, something is justified by the mere exercise of our will alone. Um, there's no need to have any other consideration beyond the fact that we want it. And if we want it, it is good. And if it's good, then we should execute it in our society. So... This is really how things like same-sex marriage and abortion get passed into law. Um, we don't feel as if we need to consider how God has created human beings. We don't need to say, how has God made marriage? Has God instituted marriage for human beings to be a certain way and to have a certain definition? We don't feel like we need to, to ask that question. Or how has God made women? Has God made women to, to have children and to bring their children to term, you know, um, instead of killing their own children? Or has, has he made them differently? We, we don't even bring up that question. Uh, we just say, look, we can define marriage however we want. If we want marriage to be this definition or that definition, if we vote on that, um, then that's how we're going to define marriage. Or if, if we want to give these so-called rights to a woman, um, then we will give her these rights, um, even though they might not actually exist, because, in fact, all rights come from God. So we don't have to pay attention to anything that God has done. We just have to pay attention to what we want, and that is what we make to be the law. 
Now, what I would like to point out, um, and, and this is how we're going to relate it to our Lord weeping over Jerusalem, is that this uh, paradigm, this way of behaving, is really a, a formula, a very poisonous formula for human unhappiness. This is really the best way to make people unhappy. It's uh, very poisonous for society and the welfare of human beings. And the reason for this is that there's really one rule for human happiness. There's, there's one way to get human happiness, and that is um, if we act in the way that God has made us, that will make us happy. And if we act against the way that God has made us, then that will make us unhappy. This is absolutely certain. Because of the fact that we are made by somebody and, and God has made us for happiness, when we do or when we act according to the way we, we, he, that he's made us, we're happy. I mean, he's our designer. He designed us for that. Um, and so he configured us in such a way that we're meant to act in, in this way or that way. And if we do that, well, we will achieve the end for which he's made us, which, which is happiness. And if we act contrary to the way that we're made, then we're not going to achieve that end, which is happiness. We're not going to attain happiness. That's just the way it works. There's no changing that. You know, similarly, uh, to take another example and make this perhaps hopefully a little bit clearer, um, why are cars made? Why does the Ford plant make cars? Well, it makes cars for driving. That's the point of, of making cars. That's the whole purpose, why you make a car. And if you use the car according to the way it's made, then it will drive. Because it's, that's the whole design. That's the whole point. Um, if you follow the manual, it will drive. It, it will transport you from point A to point B. But if you if you ignore that and you just say, well, I'm just going to define, redefine the car. I'm going to use the car however I want. Um, then it will not accomplish the thing which it's made for. It will not drive. Um, cars are made for traveling on paved surfaces at a moderate speed. And if you run them that way, and they will transport you to your destination. If you run them, however, at high speeds into buildings, then they will not drive. They, they just will not do that because they're not made for that. They, they cannot achieve their purpose if you use them in a way contrary to the design of those who make them. They won't transport anything. And it's the same, the exact same thing is true for human beings. We are made to function in a certain way. And when we function in that way, we achieve what we're made for. We, we achieve happiness. So something that, that we, we, when, when we realize this point, and we reflect upon it. Um, we, we have a new insight into the commandments of God. What we realize is that the commandments of God are not just God saying, you do this, you do that. What the commandments of God are, are a statement about how God has made us. And therefore, they're also a statement, a roadmap for human happiness. God is saying to you, I made you this way, and if you do these things, then you will achieve the end for which I have made you. You're going to be happy. And so it's just not God you know, sort of lording it over us and saying, you have to do this. Um, but it's more like a loving father saying to, to us, I knew you from all eternity. I designed you in a certain way. I wanted you to be happy forever. And if you want to be happy forever, these are the things that you are going to do. This is a certain formula for human happiness. Um, you know, it would be ridiculous for God to command something against the nature that he himself gave us. 
So when he commands us things, he's just telling us, sort of giving us the user manual for being a human being. And so when he commands humans to marry, he commands to be between a man and a woman because that's the way he made us. That's the way he made us, and it makes for human happiness. Whereas uh, marriage between a man and a man or a woman and a woman is not the, the, the formula for human happiness because he's not made us that way. Um, humans are happy when they have a good father and a good mother growing up. They're not happy when they grow up in a broken home or a twisted home. Uh, where you have two fathers, two mothers, or you just have one father, or you have a single mother, whatever. Similarly, when God commands us to worship him alone and not false gods, he's commanding us to live according to the way that we're made. Because we're just made by one God who is a transcendent God. He's not, he's not a material God. He's a transcendent God. He's a pure spirit. That's the facts. That's the way that we're made. We're made by our Father in heaven. We're not made by those false gods. They don't even exist. And so we're happier when we're worshiping and serving our actual creator than when we're serving false gods or when we're serving demons, fallen angels. And you can do that for every single one of the commandments. You can look at them in that way. Say, God commanded this. How does this relate to my happiness? Well, it's me acting in the way that I'm made. And if I... If I function properly, then I'm going to be happy as a human being. And this is certainly the way it works out for all human societies for all time. You know, they do happiness metrics these days. They look at Sweden or they, they look at Denmark or they look at Uganda or whatever, and they, they try to rate their happiness. Um, but they don't use the happiness metric that I'm trying to give you. I'm giving you a different happiness metric. I'm saying the real happiness metric is how do people behave according to the way that God made them. Are they, are they living, is their society living in such a way that it matches up with the way that they're made by God, or is it not? And that's the real determinant as to whether the society will be happy or whether it will be unhappy. So um, let's, let's just take one example of this, of, of, of the fact that human society, when it's functioning in a way that corresponds to God's design, leads to a happy society, and when it doesn't, at least to an unhappy society. And the example we will take is Jerusalem, Israel, the society of Israel in the time of our Lord. When our Lord weeps over Jerusalem, he foresees terrible destruction for his, that city. Um, he is looking into 40 years into the future when um, Jerusalem is destroyed by the Romans. Well, what happened? You know what happened. The Messiah came after a very long time. The Jews were expecting him. They were expecting the Redeemer of Israel to come. He came after thousands of years. The people were meant to accept him because he is God. He is their God. He is our God. They were meant to submit to his sweet rule. They were made for that. Everything was set up for that by the design of God. But they didn't do it. They didn't submit to our Lord. Um, if they had done so, they would not have wanted to overthrow the Roman rule. They would have set their sights on spiritual goals instead of political goals. They would not have their heart um, resting completely in some sort of political leader. But that didn't happen. They rejected our Lord. They rejected our Lord. Um, Unlike the apostles 
and the disciples and the first Catholics who went around the world trying to convert them to Catholicism and to this pursuit of holiness, the Jews rejected our Lord and sought to attain a certain political independence from the Romans. They rejected the Messiah. They continued their very worldly version of the Jewish religion, which they, they wanted to establish a kingdom on earth. And this perversion of their own religion that was given to them by God, in which, which they turned in the wrong direction, eventually made them to hate the Romans and to rebel against them. And, uh, you know, whenever you, you did this historically, this was always a, a bad move um, historically in the Roman Empire to rebel against the Romans. It's just like the last uh, thing that you, you, would, you would want to do, uh, especially if you're a small nation like the, the Jews. Um, when you upset the Romans, um, they send their legions and they crush you. Um, and that's exactly what happened uh, to the Jews. So in the war that, su that succeeded, when they rebelled, uh, some of the Jewish leaders were killed. And because they lacked leadership, they, they brought in this desert militia leader uh, called Simon. And he was, he was basically a thug. Um, and he took over and he ruled Jerusalem like a tyrant. Um, and... There were some other tyrants who also appeared and gathered their soldiers. So you, you had uh, Jerusalem basically ruled by, by three different tyrants, Simon, John, and Eleazar. They, they had their armies, and they all fought am amongst themselves. They killed one another. Um, they didn't provide a united front against the Romans. The Romans just sort of had to camp out outside Jerusalem and just wait for the, the Jews to all destroy themselves. And one of the most terrible things about this, this Jewish war, which um, you can read in, in Josephus, is that they would not let the Jews who wanted to escape to leave the city. These rulers were, were really horrible, um, and it was very clear that they would never win. People wanted to escape and get out of Jerusalem and go over to the Romans, and they, they were not allowed. They were not allowed to do that. They were starving. There was no food. People were eating their own children. It was, it was an absolute horror, and they could not escape until every last person was dead. Um, so the Romans eventually, uh, because the, these, these madmen would not surrender, the Romans eventually had to break down the walls of the city and destroy the temple itself. And to this day, the temple has not been rebuilt. And there's a mosque, the second most important mosque in all of Islam, standing on top of the site of the temple 2,000 years later. Um, so the main point I want to make here is that this outcome was so terrible because the Jewish people refused to follow God. They refused to act according to the way that God had made them. That's what our Lord is weeping about. There's only two times that our Lord weeps in the gospel. He never laughs, and he weeps twice. This time, and when um, he's standing before the tomb of Lazarus. So because of their disobedience to God, the Jewish people lost their homes, they lost their livelihood, they lost their homeland, they lost their lives themselves, um, they lost their future, and very possibly, they lost their souls. They did not save their souls. How much better would it have been if they had done what God commanded them to do, but also what God made them to do? To serve him, to follow him, to, to follow the commandments. God did not make them for rebelling against himself and rebelling against the Messiahs. 
He did not make them for establishing a purely worldly kingdom while ignoring the welfare of their souls. He made them for heaven, not for earth. And this, this is just one example which I hope illustrates to you that, that when um, you go against what God has made you for, uh, you become very unhappy. Very, very bad things happen. When you do what God has made you to do, um, good things happen. And there, there are many, many more examples that could be given of these things. Um, but, you know, just think about our own society. I mean, that, that, that's, that's how the discussion began. When we think about our own society, which celebrates many laws that have been passed against the way that God has made us and are against what God has told us to, to do. Um, you know, today's society approves the breaking up of marriage in divorce. It approves the frustration of conception through birth control. Um, it approves unnatural homosexual relationships and places them on the same level as the institution that God has established, the real institution of marriage. It even approves the mutilation of human beings in, in an attempt to change one's own gender. And these are things that are just radically against the way God has made us. And just as our Lord wept over Jerusalem, we also could weep over society today. Um, our Lord could see that his own people were denying themselves the happiness for which God had made them. God in his goodness had made them for an incredible happiness. Uh, just think about what it would have been like if the Jews had accepted the Messiah. What a glory it would have been for them. How, how different the outcome would have been. But this same thing is happening today, and it will cause the destruction of society to the degree that people and laws ignore how God has made them and what God has made them for, and instead try to make themselves into something different, try to create for themselves a different humanity, uh, a different happiness from the one that their creator has made. So my dear faithful, for, for we who have the traditional Catholic faith, it's important that we maintain this conviction that the laws of God are the very best plan for our happiness to the degree that we are actually able to follow uh, the commandments. They're, they're not just sort of prescriptive laws that, that God just pulls out of a hat. No, they actually correspond to you, to what you are. They are laws that, that prescribe um, the proper functioning of a human being. We cannot improve upon them. And when we're surrounded by a secular society, we sometimes get the impression that the things of the world or the ways of the world might be able to give us something that we do not have, might be able to fulfill us um, when, when we're not being fulfilled. We might think that the world has some important contribution to make for, for our happiness. When, when, of course, it doesn't. Um, and, and the purpose of my sermon today is really to try to bring home to you that there is no better way for you to live your life than that which is laid out for you with so much clarity by your Catholic faith. Um, that Our Catholic faith is nothing other than a very clear expression of God's will for us as human beings, God's plan for us um, for this life and our happiness in the next you're definitely happier being married to one man or one woman than divorcing and marrying multiple people. No question about that. You're happier having the children that God gives you rather than using birth control. 
You're happier assisting at the religious worship that was instituted by God rather than some worship or some religion that has been invented by man. You're happier going to Mass on Sunday rather than staying at home on Sunday and following the Third Commandment. You're happier pursuing virtue, in short, than pursuing selfishness because what God has made you for is what makes you happy and what makes you happy is what prevents you from weeping. Following that plan of God prevents you from weeping. When our Lord tells us, blessed are those who mourn, he's talking about people who mourn over spiritual problems, who are upset when the commandments of God are not being followed. And he says, they shall be comforted. They shall be the ones who actually will have real happiness in this life. These are precisely the, the tears that he's shedding in today's Gospels. It's those who mourn over those spiritual disasters, over leading aside, leaving aside the laws of God, and therefore missing the happiness for which we are created. So let us shed those sorts of tears in our life so that we can lead a happy life and really be happy forever in heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.